Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Great to have you here. We're very, look, I've got to say the excitement meter <laughs> has gone off the off the dial. It's 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 peaking at it's it's doing like circles. I would like to say straight off the bat. Kevin Philip Aloysius Eugene Hillier, that I am really, really proud of this Food Bites podcast and radio show. Over the course of, I guess, getting close to 300 guests. Yeah, we're getting there. We've had some remarkable, interesting, important people Always. on this show. Always. None more so than our guests today. Well, I don't know why, but it's a, it's a bit of a personal highlight for us too. Yeah. Um, and it's I, a bit of a pinch yourself moment, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. I guess because he was in our lounge room so much, uh, you know, during the, the 70s and 80s mm. and 90s and, and 2000s. He's, he's been in our lounge room forever. Get out of our bloody <laughs> no, I mean, yes, he has been in our in our lives for so long. Yes. And he's such a, um, a likeable. a familiar presence. And trusted. Yes. The, the word is, I think that word's underrated. Mm. When you when you look at people on television, especially in today's journalistic landscape. Oh goodness me! And we'll talk to him about that. The man we're talking about, of course, is Ray Martin, the oh, one and you? only. I thought it was George Negus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, it is. He is. He is an icon of Australian television yeah. and journalism. What a lovely man he is too. And he's that as well, which kind of helps. He's not a terrific cook. <laughs> Has As to be said. You will find out. No, we're thrilled to have you on the program, really are. And uh, yep. it was so generous with his time. As you'll hear in yep. the interview, it's a little bit longer than the than the usual one uh, because he had a lot of good things to say and talk about. So yep. looking forward to that. And then we get to the frivolous part of the program. Dessert theme. Yes. And it is trifle. You either like trifle or you don't. Kevin, what do you call a person with their Finger in one ear and a piece of cake in the other. Oh, they're trifle deaf. Oh, <laughs> dull. See, now Ray Martin had heard that he wouldn't have done this podcast. <laughs> he would have gone. I'm not. I'm not talking to those <laughs> those red bags. No. So let's oh. uh, let's not muck around. Let's get to Ray Martin uh, and enjoy our chat with uh, one of the icons of Australian television and journalism. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. I have it on good authority that, in terms of frequenting the kitchen. You're not a bad dishwasher. I'm a, in fact, I'm a good uh, dishwiper. Um, <laughs> even dishwashing was difficult. In my childhood, I have three older sisters and no brothers, and uh, so I got uh, consigned to just this dish wiping rather than washing. I always thought the big job was washing up before we had uh, dishwashers, and uh, my sisters would do that, and I'd get the lowly job of having to wipe up. So these days, I've graduated to a dishwasher. So growing up, Ray, your, your mum pretty much took care of everything to do with cooking? Yes, she did, but also my sisters. Again, it's um, when you're the sort of the, uh, the baby boy of the family, you've got three other sisters and a mum, um, and getting into the kitchen was kind of difficult. Mum was a bit of a, a kitchen Nazi in terms of cleaning and, and cooking and so on. Not very, uh, she didn't cook uh, very fancy stuff at all. It was only when I got married I realised that that vegetables were actually, uh, you know, could crunch in your mouth when you ate carrots <laughs> and things like this and, instead of having them boiled. But I never went hungry, but nevertheless, uh, my wife is a fantastic cook. So once um, once I got married, I got even uh, driven out of the kitchen even more so. She's quite a kitchen Nazi. And uh, and so as a result, I um, I tend to stand from a distance and, uh, and enjoy what she cooks. <laughs> what does that mean, uh, Diane, gets uh, a bit suspicious if she sees you loitering in the kitchen? 
Oh, I don't even have to loiter, Sarah. If I just walk beyond it, we've got a, there's a pole which sort of holds up the roof in the kitchen between the kitchen and the family room. And if I get beyond the pole, it's a no-go zone. It's almost like TMZ, demilitarized zone. And so she says, she sees me there, says, what do you want? And I say, I'm just after a glass of water. <laughs> so I'm allowed to do that. But beyond that, it tends to be, uh, you know, you're just going to mess up my kitchen or you don't know what you're doing. A visitor's pass is required for you to be in the, in the kitchen. Are you a fussy eater, right? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, again, I, I grew up uh, eating whatever was put in front of me. And I, the old habit that you have from working class uh, Australia is that you eat what's put in front of you. And so the end result is, you know, if I, these days, so often you'll get, uh, you go to a restaurant and they'll give you too much food in places. And I tend to eat it because that's what I was told to do as a child. And I could probably pull back and have about half the food I eat. Just in recent days, talking about you know food and food choices that are available, you've been in a part of the country where I, I guess sometimes the pickings might be slim or a little bit uh, a bit different. What have your food food choices been like uh, in in the territory? In the outback, especially, they're, they're pretty good. I'm, I'm uh, as I get older, I'm less of a meat eater than I used to be. So I probably you know if you're if you're in the the outback or in the bush in Australia, you tend to be forced into RSL clubs. And, uh, and and similar sort of uh, sporting clubs, and that tends to be uh, uh, chicken or, or or steak or maybe a fish if you're lucky. Um, you know, lots of Vietnamese or Asian food in uh, in country RSL clubs. But but generally, again, I mean, we um, I, I remind myself every time I I go around Australia how lucky we are and the the range of foods we have compared with most places. So if you whinge about food in Australia, you must be pretty uh, pretty choosy. But uh, so the end result is I, I tend to, I'm a, a bit reluctant to have fish in the centre of Australia, thinking that it uh, took quite a while to get there from Darwin or Adelaide. <laughs> and uh, and I stay away from that. But that's probably the time I catch up on my red meat, to be honest. But but again, chickens, um, probably my probably my meat of choice in, in later years uh, has been chicken of various kinds. So probably if I had my, my last supper sort of meal, I'd be, it'd be some sort of chicken, chicken, usually something that Diane has cooked me, which is like chicken wings or something, which she does, um, you know, five-star quality. Hey, Ray, you've travelled the world. I mean, you've been to, uh, I would imagine, almost every outpost in, in the world, and you've probably eaten some weird and wonderful things in your travel. So uh, what are, what's your travelling experience in terms of eating? Uh, I remember being in, in Saudi Arabia once in the 60 minutes days and uh, we had a couple of drives for cars uh, taking us around and it was, you know, almost impossible to use international life. And so we had drivers for our two cars and uh, for all the, all the gear and the, and, the, and the camera crew. Anyway, we, um, we decided to, they'd be fantastic, these two blokes, and we decided to buy them uh, dinner, which is sort of above Mecca. It was a few k's out of Mecca, which is nice and exotic, and uh, as close as we can go as, as non-Muslims. And uh, anyway, so they went to the souks, the markets, and they got all the stuff that they thought we should have you know, on our credit card. And uh, we went back over the hills amongst the rocks, this wonderful place, and sort of had a rock picnic. And anyway, so the strength of that was um, I was uh, I'd, I'd uh, bought food, and uh, and so I was the sort of treasured guest. And they came to the piece de resistance uh, there that they've all this wonderful uh, Middle Eastern food for us. And I got something, and I asked what that was, and they said it was sheep's eyes. And they were large sheep's eyes, oh. and it was very much the uh, you know the, the the treasure of all the stuff they'd bought us. And the cameraman sort of ducked the cover; he pretended he had a mouthful of, of bread or something. And the and the and the sound was the same. And the producers, oh, I was left to eat 
one of these, and they, the two uh, gentlemen who were our guests um, waited expectantly for me to have uh, this uh, this piece de resistance, and uh, and I had no choice but to eat it, and uh, and I ate it. And I just remember, without being too graphic, I just remember it uh, sort of crunching and oh. squirting in my mouth, and I thought, oh my god. And uh, anyway, so I, I spent the next um, couple of years trying to pay back the cameraman who basically lined me up for it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I got him somewhere in Taiwan. I got him later, but you know, on, the, on the principle that you don't get angry and just get even um, somewhere down the track. I got even, but that, I remember that one of the, the two men basically said to me in their sort of fractured English, they said, uh, how was that? And I said, mm, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. But, but no, I, I think I, that's probably one off. I don't think I want to do that again. Oh, <laughs> that's dearie. really been okay. a, a diplomat, I, I think. Um, Ray, these experiences, they're all part of this this rich tapestry that has been your career. You've been on our screens uh, for so long. It's been such a long career. You're still going strong. And it looks like you absolutely love and have a passion for what you, you do. I understand you have no plans uh, to retire. No, not at all. In fact, I, I did one of the joys of my life. Um, in recent years, I've done 30 live, 33 hour live shows with uh, Sir David Attenborough. And um, he is now 96, the same age the Queen was. And um, he, and so I ride shotgun on these 30 live shows we've done with, you know, up to 5,000 people in a, in a theatre audience. And, um, and I said to him earlier, when I first met him, he was about 87 then, and I thought, oh, gee, at my stage of life, I, um, uh, you know, last thing I need is a, a sort of pompous pom uh, to wander around with. I'd never met him before. Well, within five seconds, he made me realise that he was one of the most magnificent men I've ever met. And, uh, and, and so he was great fun to be with. But I said to him in the course of our downtime, so what's the secret, David? You know, how do you remain so active? And he's, you know, he's, he's an active brain and he's incredibly wise and he's funny and he likes to drink and he likes food and, and he's just generally just a wonderful person. And um, and so I said, what's the secret? He said, the secret is when you reach our age, as I am now, and he said um, uh, that you don't do anything you don't like in work. You don't do anything you don't like. You don't do anything you like because you like too much. You only do things you love. So if you don't love it, don't do it. And that's almost become my mantra now that, I very easily say no. I don't want to do that, um, or no. I don't. Or yes, I want to do that. It doesn't matter what they pay me or what uh, what's involved. If I want to do it, I do it. And uh, I tend to stay away from war zones these days if I can. Usually, it's my kids saying, "Dad, you've done that. You don't need to go and do that again." But beyond that, um, I'm I'm up for um, adventure. You're an endlessly curious person by nature. Is that is that what leads you into into doing what you've you've done for your whole life? And that's ask yeah, ask uh, questions. Uh, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I always have and, and always do, uh, you know, in a country where no one has any idea who I am. Um, I'm happy to talk about, you know, the local farming techniques for the farmer or talk about uh, what, you know, uh, someone who's trying to sell uh, pots in, in, in the, the circuit in, a, in a, you know, some Middle Eastern market. So I do, I, I like to talk to people. Um, I had a reputation of 60 minutes of being Mr. Have a chat. And, uh, <laughs> and I do like, I do easily talk to people and I, I enjoy people coming. And similarly, um, see, these days, I'm having been forced by COVID to stay pretty much in Australia in recent times. I'm endlessly curious about uh, these corners of Australia I haven't seen. Uh, and and so even just going around the block um, with my camera, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy uh, to be doing it. So, so yes, I mean, it's, I guess when you, 
when you stop thinking, you know, the world is the most wonderful place, then um, then you're probably it's time to curl up your toes a bit. I think. Yeah. You touched there briefly on uh, on COVID and and uh, the COVID experience. I guess was was tough on many people, tough on many couples too. Um, put a lot of us to the test. Certainly put Kevin and I to the test. What was that? <laughs> what was the impact um, like in your life, Ray? Yeah, well, see, Don and I have been married for 55 years now, almost. And um, but uh, Gerald Stone and 60 Minutes, the boss of 60 Minutes, used to say that he thought 60 Minutes kept marriages together because you're away so often <laughs> when you came back. It was a bit like a honeymoon. And I think that's the case. COVID suddenly put us together for about three years. And a number of times a dime would look at her watch in that three-year period and say, isn't it about time you went somewhere? <laughs> and uh, and how, how true was that? But, uh, but I think, you know, we're, somehow we survived uh, those three years. But, but as you just said, I mean, to be perfectly honest, We've got a, a house in in Sydney and uh, with a garden and and just a small swimming pool and, and so we weren't anywhere near as, as hard push and our kids have sort of left home so we had room to move and get away from each other but my feeling was you know I so often I thought how does how does a single mum with three children um, trying to keep a job going and trying to teach the uh, educate the kids at school in a two bedroom apartment how does she survive and and she they're the ones who really I think uh, deserve the VCs. Uh, for for men and women who uh, you know who survived in a in a tiny confined space and had small children to educate and and keep a job going as well as paying the bills, so I just think people who did that are absolute heroes. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Hey, want to get back in the kitchen just for a tick? Is there a coffee yep. machine in your kitchen? And uh, are you a coffee drinker? And uh, do you need coffee? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I don't know what we did without it. You know, the the weird thing. I was up having a coffee with an old cameraman friend of mine this morning and. Uh, I always end up having two cups of coffee as we sit and, and, and retell war stories endlessly. Um, but um, so I, I I need a coffee every day, and yet um, <clears throat> what have I done for you know the, the previous uh, you know rest of my life for the previous fifty years? What did I do without you know I was really pretty much a tea drinker. Um, and growing up in the bush, you know, you, you really couldn't get coffee. It was just that uh, chicory that we used to have when I was mm. a kid, which was called coffee. Mm. In and the, the only time as a kid I ever had coffee was the the railway restaurants where you'd be changing a train somewhere in the bush in New South Wales, and uh, and then you could go up and get coffee. And they used to put that uh, that wonderful, um, you know, that that rich um, uh, cream. What was it called? That you know, the rich milk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was that? It really, it's a chemical, I think, but it was uh, it was kind of sweet. Um, oh, I'm thinking of the name in a moment, and the um, condensed milk. Condensed yeah, milk. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, as a, as a child, that was the only time I was ever allowed coffee. It was as a chicory rather coffee. But I'd walk up there and there'd be a lady in a, in a starched, um, you know, uniform behind the counter to serve you uh, whatever you could get for breakfast in a railway coffee shop or uh, a restaurant. And uh, and if you were small and you had a dimple and you smiled nicely, she'd give you extra uh, extra <laughs> milk in your coffee, which, which is sort of sweeter. And so having a dimple, I'd, uh, I'd always be able to smile and, and try and carry favour with the, the lovely lady behind there. But that was about, you know, the only, only otherwise my, my life was about tea, uh, you know, which is what you, you drank in, in country Australia. And, and then, uh, then we come along to the modern era and, uh, and it's, uh, I probably have t- at least two coffees a day and um, and I, I I need to kickstart the day with coffee, so that's that's a, r- a ritual, a routine for me all the time. And we've got a machine at home, so similarly, Di and I make make coffees um, 
if, if we don't go out and make coffees for it. So we, what do we do for all the rest of our lives before coffee came along? Hey, well, at least you're allowed to use the coffee machine. There's a major breakthrough for you. <laughs> that is, that's true. You know, I can make, I can, yeah, I can boil water and I can get the, the baked beans for some toast and I can, you know, I can get soups and things like this. But beyond that, uh, I tend to get, you know, she gets the whip out and drives you from the kitchen. <laughs> well, that'll get you a long way in life, <laughs> baked beans and boiling water. Hey, uh, Ray, you have one of the most uh, familiar faces in Australia. I I would guess that you, you still get stopped a lot or people would like to have conversation with you or people feel they, they know you personally. When people do stop to talk to you, what do they want to talk about? They, it's interesting, Sarah. Almost, I reckon, at least once a week, um, if I'm going to get the papers or go and get a coffee or something else around town for total strangers, we'll say g'day and we'll say what's happened to television. Um, time after time, it just seems that you know the, the social media is now shifted on so so much as on streaming or on on the you know Netflix or, or uh, Disney, one of the others, and and so they'll the regular networks um, disappoint people endlessly. They forever saying you know what's happened to Channel Nine, what's happened to Channel Seven, doesn't matter what which network. Um, that's the most common one. The other one is is quite often. Um, people, strangers will say of all ages, they might be 25-year-olds. I don't know how they would know but uh, because I've been off for, uh, regularly for so long. But um, they will say, oh, you know, sort of thanks to your journalism. And I, and I say, well, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, you've made my day. But clearly people now believe that they can't quite trust what they're seeing on television, what they're hearing on radio, in the news, etc. And that's a sad state of affairs that people, you know, don't have faith in what they're being told or what they're, especially from politicians. And so the, the two most common things is what's happened to television, and the other other one is, you know, thank you for your standard of journalism, which, which, as I say, indicates that they, they're not happy with the standard of journalism today, which is which is pretty sad. What has happened to television, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that. Um, I, I honestly think, you know, program directors, and they hate me for saying this, but I think they've lost the plot in the sense that so often I'll see stuff that is on television that I think, you know, whoever thought that would work? Whoever thought that Australians, you know, does it pass the pub test? Uh, there's very, all the networks are guilty. Um, but my old network nine does it regularly. There's not much I watch on nine apart from maybe the news um, and, the, and and some of the sport, even the sport I get from pay television. But I think, um, you know, you've, you really have to um, understand what what audiences want, and I'm not sure in the stuff that I see. I'm not sure that uh, uh, the program directors always, you know, go out to the pubs or go to the races or go to the football and talk to ordinary people. But I'm sure they deny that. They simply say that you know computers and and and, uh, right. uh, and other sort of social media has made their life almost impossible. But it tends to be you know, network television tends to be. Older, it, 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 it's a, an older generation in terms of the demographics, and uh, and therefore, um, you know, you've got to think what you put on uh, the, the free-to-air television that um, that attracts people, you know, beyond forty-five or fifty-five. And I think that's uh, that's you know, the sorts of Tonight shows and the sorts of gentle, even Hey Hey Saturday, those sorts of things that people used to like, I think would still work today, but program directors don't think it would, and so we don't see it, but and so we end, endlessly see stuff that. Uh, that people tell me they can't watch. Yeah, It's interesting. I look at shows like Hey, Hey, and I guess 60 Minutes and the Midday Show are all perfect examples of appointment television where back in the day you made an appointment to see your, your favourite show. You couldn't fast track it. You couldn't binge on it. You just had to wait for it. And if you uh, you missed it, you missed it. But, uh, yeah. but the goalposts have certainly come- changed. 
It used to come on time too, Sarah. I'm the important thing, like 60 minutes at the moment, is uh, it can be depending on what the preceding programs are. It could come at, you know, 7:45 or, or 9:10 uh, yeah. on a Sunday night. Well, you won't get. I don't think you get regular viewers for that. And obviously, people can just record it and watch it later. In the old days, I know that. You know, Channel Nine. Certainly, Sam Chisholm as the boss of Channel Nine would, in, and Terry Packer would insist that it, that you only have one screening that you want. Or what? Sixty minutes. It's got to be seven thirty on a Sunday night. If you don't catch it, then you can't see it. You couldn't record it and replay it. Well, you know, these days, it's you know, as I'm sure with with people, you know, if you're not, if not your children, my kids don't watch free-to-air television. They just watch everything on their on the computer on their phone. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's changed the world totally. Plus, they know that they can they can binge it or they can watch it tomorrow rather than tonight. So those sorts of things have changed the world of television as, as I knew it. There was a sense of expectation about every episode too, which was which we don't have anymore because it's all, you know, uh, you just don't have that. You don't, there's no, there's none of that left anymore. Uh, I want to ask you one very important question from my point of view. Is it pronounced the GAN or the GAN? It's the GAN. The, it, 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 yeah. Well, I think it's the GAN, uh, <laughs> right. depending on which, which, which part of Adelaide you come from. Right. Um, in, in terms of that, but I think it's again, yeah. So now you're heavily involved in uh, in taking a trip on that uh, with a with a bunch of people. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, I've got a, a really good friend, Stuart Caulfield from Geelong, runs Geelong Tourism, and uh, he's a friend. And uh, and and I, uh, during COVID, he kept most of his staff, and uh, which was amazing in a tourist business where no one could travel, and um, and he um, and, and so he needed some help. And when uh, last year when he came back, he had this crazy idea, full of crazy ideas that really successful businessmen and women have to have to do, and they've got to be innovative. And so he had the idea of actually bringing the GAN from, uh, which normally goes from Adelaide to Darwin and back, um, straight up the guts of Australia, um, the idea of bringing it to Geelong and starting Geelong, which it had never done before. And, um, and so we had about 250 people who went from Geelong to Adelaide. We... Uh, we had a, a breakfast and, a, and I gave a, a bit of a talk with some photos that I'd taken um, in, at the uh, Adelaide Oval in the morning. Then we caught the train for a couple of days and went up the middle and finished up at Darwin. It was such a good trip. It was like a, a magic carpet ride through, I think, probably. I love the west coast of Tassie, but probably the centre is my favourite part of Australia, the centre of the Kimberley. Um, in the Kimberley. And um, anyway, so, so it was such a success that... He decided to do it the other way. There's one extra night if you come from Darwin down through the centre to Adelaide and across to Geelong. We you spend a night in Tupapiti, and uh, which is which is most beautiful, most exotic, uh, wonderful country, and uh, and especially for photographs. So we're doing that in October this year, and uh, and hopefully people come along. But it is it's wonderful to sit there and have. Uh, you know, five star food and fantastic wines, and then uh, when you you're bored with the company, if you are, or if you just want to take a break, you go back to your cabin and grab a book, and and and, and this magic carpet ride goes on, and you see this uh, exquisite red dirt country of the centre go by. So it's a it's a it's a when I when I was on it, I've only done it once, and I'll do it a second time in October. But um, I kept thinking, gee, we're lucky, you know, we this is the most uh, beautiful country, and to wander through there safely and uh, and see this exotic world. Uh, going out the window is is uh, is really fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Ray, to say that you've met and interviewed a, a lot of people and high-profile people in your life would be an understatement. So this is why you're a perfect person to ask this uh, this question. If you were to have a dinner party, I suppose you wouldn't be cooking. You'd have to maybe order in Uber. <laughs> but if you were, um... well, Diane would cook. Diane would cook. She's a great cook. <laughs> well, who would uh, if you could invite anybody to to be at your table, dead or alive? Who'd be on your guest list? 
Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's really endless, isn't it? I mean, so often I'm sure you find when you talk to people too, you'll meet somebody um, who's a complete, who's a nobody, who's just fascinating. Um, I've, I've got to quickly tell you, Sarah, there's a wonderful bloke named Bill Holt whom I met, um, uh, just uh, Bob Holt, <coughs> I'm sorry, Robert Holt, Bob Holt up in uh, Catherine just last week. I was up there doing a charity thing and in Darwin or preparing it. And um, Bill, uh, Bob rather, is a, um, a mechanic who went to Catherine um, for six months to fill in and uh, that's 50 years ago. And he's got yeah. a, uh, he's been up there all that time and he started his own concrete business. Well, he'd, Heard about this Humpty Dumpty um, Foundation, which is uh, we raise money for children's hospitals around Australia. And anyway, he'd heard about this, and he gave ten thousand um, dollars from Catherine, and uh, and he liked what was done with it, uh, buying machinery, a bit of uh, medical equipment, and then he gave another ten thousand, and that was fantastic. And he rang up the, uh, the 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 boss, the chairman of uh, Humpty Dumpty Foundation, about four months ago, and uh, and he said, I want to give a little more, I want to something a bit more substantial. And so Paul Francis, the chairman, said. Um, uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, Bob. That's fantastic. What are you thinking of for you know for Catholic Hospital? He said, "I'd like to give a million dollars." Oh my God! And, it, and he gave a check for uh, two weeks later for a million dollars. Oh. Now, in Catherine, as in any regional hospital, um, they are at the end of the line, and no one ever really cares about them. It goes to the big cities, so especially in, in Northern Territory where there's short, a shortage of money anyway. So for them to get a, a million dollars of equipment um, has suddenly changed their lives. And so I, I went up there and we did a little film on Bob, and he's he's a, a very shy, 82 year old man um, who still drives the truck. And he was a bit embarrassed about all the attention we were giving him up there. But he cried when he saw um, just what his money had bought for the the children's section of the of the Catherine Hospital. So uh, they're the sorts of characters in the middle. And, and he's you know he's up there. He's just he said, "I don't want to die as the as the richest man in the cemetery. I need to give a, a bit of this uh, wealth that I've got." Anyway, so but I, but someone like Bob would be fantastic. At dinner, and there are plenty of people like I don't mean who give a million dollars, but people who do amazing things around the place, and uh, and that and, which is wonderful. And then beyond that is, um, you know, I think obviously I mentioned Sir David Attenborough. Mm. Uh, Sir David Attenborough um, it would be always a wonderful guest. Fred Hollows is one of my yes. um, my real heroes um, in the, all the ten thousands of people I've interviewed, and and Don Bradman um, similarly. I mean, just get a a group of people like that. Whoopi Goldberg maybe together. And um, uh, and uh, and so I'll um, you know any, any of those. But gee, I could I could name twenty people. I think uh, that I could sit and listen to probably a cricketer of some kind. I tend to be a cricketer. <laughs> oh, that, that's the most wonderful story. Hey, um, Ray, just to finish up, we we usually ask our guests, and this is my this is my hard hitting uh, current affairs question Uh-oh. for you. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> Do you have a cooking tip or a kitchen tip to leave us with? <laughs> you know, my tip would, would be to mar- marry the right person. Um, so, so, so that you're uh, you're well fed and well looked after. Um, now, I, I, I honestly, I'd be uh, apart from um, uh, you know n- knowing what I like. I'm not my taste buds are nowhere near as good as my wife's or my sons, who really have strong, uh, a, a, a really good taste. But I tend to like uh, things that are kind of hot and. Um, uh, and never too hot for me, Indian or otherwise. But um, no, I'd, I'd be I'd be really um, a phony if I started to <laughs> tell people who uh, who know what they're doing. But uh, I just you know I certainly know what I like, and I and I'm and I'm very grateful for having had amazing women in my life who've uh, who've looked after me, my mother and my sisters and my wife <laughs> and my daughter. Done. Beautifully done, Ray. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate. It. Look forward to this uh, doco you've been working on in the in the Northern Territory and the and the outback and uh, and many more in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you, Kevin, very much. Thanks, Sarah. Loving to talk to you. I'm sorry that uh, I'm not uh, a master chef and, and I can't uh, <laughs> offer you happiness advice, but uh, but I do enjoy it. We're, we we're, it. we're happy to take Ray Martin for what he is. Thank you so thank much. You. Okay, thank you, guys. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. What a wonderful uh, experience it was to have to, to chat to Ray and uh, hopefully we'll do that again in the future. Absolutely delighted. Isn't it funny that uh, Gerald Stone, the 60 Minutes days, uh, made the point that, you know, he saved many marriages because 60 Minutes kept so many uh, couples apart for long periods yep. of time so you could have a break from each other. Yep. Like that. All right, let's, let's yes. get to the food poll because it's a it's a it's a big one. Yeah, and a bit it's of a cake, a bit of jelly, a bit of cream and fruit. It's trifle. Do you like trifle? You stuffed up the trifle I joke. Did. You know that it should be jelly in one ear and cake in the other, or something like that. <laughs> oh, not, yes. not a it's finger. Right. Not a Here's finger. Here's a trifle deaf. Yes. 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 You knew where I was going. Uh, uh, nevertheless. Yeah, you know, I knew the bad tagline. <laughs> Do you like trifle? I like trifle at Christmas time. Uh, so, uh, small, yeah. a small portion. Yes, yum. With the jam, roly yeah. poly. Uh, uh, a small portion, yum. Fair enough. Okay. So says Kevin. And we'll start off with Cherie Dodson, who says that she loves trifle, a Christmas favourite for me. Uh, Terry says yay. Deb Murphy, it's a big yay. My hubby always makes a fabulous Christmas trifle. Rebecca Ann Kane says, not my cup of tea. Artie says, oh, bugger. Blood sugar through the roof. I just love trifle. From the days back in the old dart when mum made them. When me mum. Shop bought trifles are usually a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, so am I, so is my English accent. Joy Lane says absolutely. <laughs> Was that meant to be a bad cockney oh, liver puddly and type? Uh, Laurie says, yeah, I love it. Amanda just puts two emojis. Vomity one's, ones. One's a vomit emoji, a full vomit, and then a half vomit. Half. It looks like a seasick face. Mm. Kerry says a big and definite yes in this household. The good doctor, which is her husband, makes a delicious trifle at Christmas time and her mother taught her really, really well. All right. Lydia says, yay, nothing like a beautiful Mm-mm. trifle at Christmas. Kathy, definitely yay. Kim says, delish. Rachel says, nay, and definitely not with beef sautéed with peas and onions. What does that mean? That You'll find out. Pole. Sue Hosking says, nay. Michelle, yes, please, I love trifle. Michelle Smith, the other Michelle, they come in pairs, these Michelles. Yeah. So this one says a Bailey's trifle. Leah, oh. <laughs> like an old uh, gin and tonic trifle too is a bit no. of all right. Leonie says, yay. Uh, Davin says, yay, usually uh, overloading on trifle at Christmas time. Yeah, speaking my language. Charlene, nay for me. Angie, oh my lordy, yay. Steve Wood says, yay, 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 is every day too often. Stephen Raven says, look, I see this and I can only think of Rachel's disaster from Friends, which is where the... uh, The savoury trifle comes in. Yes, because what happened was in the Friends episode, if you watch the uh, the little uh, clip from Friends, Rachel decides to make the dessert... Uh, she goes really well with the trifle, except the pages of the recipe book get stuck together. Oh. So she does a half trifle and a half shepherd's pie. There's a reason why I wasn't into boom, Friends. Boom. Didn't like Friends. <laughs> wasn't my scene. Yep. Peter Hitchener, the great Peter Hitchener, lovely big smiley face there. So he likes his trifle. Peter Hitchener is a lovely big smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Sue Stanley, uh, the uh, OAM Aerobics Sue Stanley. Queen. Yes, absolutely. Looks like a lot of fruit though, but that's mm. a good thing. Positive thinking. Jonesy and Amanda, they say no. Yes. No. 
Rachel, not the Rachel from Friends, but Rachel says, look, I love a trifle. A trifle has chosen to be the official Platinum Jubilee oh. pudding last year for the late Her Majesty. Wow. Now, there was a competition open to members of the public and trifle won it. Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. That's really it. Our very mate Jim Wilson says, yes, I'm a yay. My great aunt Mabs made a beauty. Kate Stevenson puts another vomit <laughs> emoji there. Oh, there you go. Simon Pollock says, hell yes. Uh, Carmel says, I'm allergic to strawberries. Oh. Let's go raspberries. Yeah, we'll see. I'm the opposite. I'm allergic to raspberries. Julie says, nay. Sorry, that was a raspberry. <laughs> Very good, Sorry. Kevin. How old are we? <laughs> Pull my Six. finger. Pull my finger. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. And that's what Julie says. Nay, nay, nay. Yes. Which I did. So you can do Jane Barnes. Oh, Jane Barnes says, yay, any day. Steve Fastoni, I'll have one of those. Thanks. And Louise says there's two-fifths of your fruit and veggie portions right there. There, so it's healthy. It is. Wayne, Wayne. says. Now, Wayne will surprise you here. Oh. Wayne says there are certain things that are a comfort in life, no matter how old you are. And for me, this 1970s dessert king is one of them. Ah. I grew up with this glass-bound dessert of happiness, mm. and it's something I have very fond memories of. Trifle was always something we had at big family dinners. It was often the way we finished up the magical Sunday spent with the family. It seems sadly to be uh, a thing of the past. Uh, However, uh, I recently came across Trifle on a menu in a proper old school country pub. Oh, and I had to try it yes. again. It was a revelation. Oh, I'm not sure what happened, but I had what I would quite sure describe as an epiphany. Oh. I think the last time I felt that warm and fuzzy <laughs> was after I was given a brownie from my then new best friend, Magical Steve, at a retro music festival in Nimbin quite a few years ago. Waves of wonder and warmth fueled by the nostalgia of days gone by washed over me as I enjoyed this culinary triumph of sponge, jelly, oh. fruit and custard. Oh, poetry. Uh, plus, it had alcohol in it. Yeah. I was 54 years old when I learned that. <laughs> Mind blown. So... When you combine the wonders of childhood nostalgia, paired with the revelation that the god of desserts has P1SS in it, <laughs> it, then you don't have to actually be a member of Mensa to work out where I stand. Okay. I am absolutely, positively a resounding yay for He's trifle. Pro trifle. He makes a very good point there, does Wayno, that trifles, the, the appeal of those, they have to be served in a clear glass yeah, it looks good. receptacle. Yeah, it looks good. Um, because you have to see the beautiful layers. I like the look of it. So do I. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, have bowls and bowls of it. Just yeah, a little you can small take it or leave it. But yeah. it's quite a refreshing dessert, I it's think, with the fruit and the, je the jelly, and especially during summer over a hot Christmas day. It's a really, really uh, great dessert to have on a warm day. It is, and it wins by a street. 99.99% oh. of people love it. Yes. Well, it wasn't up against anything, was it? Not really. Um <laughs> It was a yes or no. Dull. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it, was, now, it, no was run, it was running its own race. There was no devils on horseback involved in this. and There was no horse action whatsoever. Oh. That is another edition of Food Bites. We've been just overly excited yes. because of having Ray Martin we on have. the program. We thank him once again We're for his time. We're only human. And don't forget, check out uh, the, the Garn. He will be off on, uh, on the that. The Garn even. The Garn even. Or the Garn or the Gan. Doesn't matter. Mm, it's no, a train. it's the Garn. Doot, doot. You'll be on that. And we'll see you next time on Food Bites. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.